Hello and welcome to Parently, where we tap into the unique experiences and perspectives of parents to celebrate the joys and honor the challenges of child rearing. With new interviews each week, this is a podcast for moms and dads seeking an empowering community and a little levity. Now here's your host, Kelsey Higgins. sister-in-law Jen to join the podcast. So welcome to Parently Jen. Thanks, Kels. I was going to say your last name, but then I was like, gosh, I bet she ha- still hasn't changed it yet. Not that you have to, obviously. Are you Al Big or McKay these days? I'm still legally Al Big. I'm oh, st- gosh. I still got my, my dad's last name. Uh, I keep joking with your brother, though. It's maybe for the 10-year anniversary. That, that might be uh, that might be my gift to him. That would be a really sweet gift. What do your students call you? McKay. I actually have it hyphenated in my room, so they. Some of my students say Mrs. Albig McKay, and I feel so bad because it's like a mouthful for them. <laughs> but uh, and then I always have to explain to parents that my email says Albig, but a lot of the students call me McKay. So what do you like? What do you like to be called? If I, for example, I'm going to put your name on the episode when I publish it, do I say Jen McKay, Jen Albig, Jen McKay Albig? So yeah, on Facebook, um, I have it as McKay, but I have Albig in parentheses so that like if people that I went to college with or anything, look me up, they can still find my maiden name, if you will. Your maiden name that is still your legal name. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Jen, Jen McKay, Albig, Albig McKay. Yep. Um, where did you grow up? Let's just, let's start with the beginning. Tell me about, tell me about the Albigs. Yeah. We are an East Coast family. Um, I was born in New York, uh, but then my dad's job, he works for an international uh, company based out of Switzerland. And they needed somebody to start a company in Illinois. Mm. So, I mean, I was like three or four and we moved to Hoffman Estates, Illinois. And that's where I grew up, went to high high school, college. I went to Southern Illinois. Illinois is home, but I still have uh, relatives in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Um. So yeah, I consider myself an East uh, East Coast girl. New York is kind of where my heart is. Where did you go to college and what did you go to college for? Uh, my, well, I, I got to say my sister went to Illinois State University. And uh, when I was looking at colleges, I knew I did not want a big state school. Like I had mm-hmm. a big high school uh, and I just didn't think that was for me. So I looked at smaller schools. Um, and I came across McMurray college, the Highlanders and, uh, it's in Southern Illinois in Jacksonville. Okay. And, uh, they had education and deaf education, sign language, interpreting sign language education. Um, they had the deaf, the deaf school in, Mm -hmm. in Jacksonville as well. Um, so those were the two things that kind of drew me in. So you went for education to become a teacher then? Yes. And then did you get a 
a job right out of school? No. (laughs) (laughs) So, and a lot of, so I graduated high school in 2000. uh, And then it, it was like, you know, that, that time there were not a lot of teachers getting out of the the system retiring. And mm-hmm. so a lot of people knew that it was going to be hard to get a teaching position right out of college. Um, sure. So I did, I moved home and I got a teaching assistant position in Itasca, Illinois, which was about a 20 minute drive from my parents. And it was in fifth grade, super sweet boy. Um, I worked one-on-one with him, um, but I got to do other responsibilities running uh, testing with students, just regular, you know, teacher duties around the school. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted my own classroom. And mm-hmm. so my second year, I just did subbing. I had heard if you sub, the m- more teachers see you, more principals see you, you're more visible and they kind of get to see what kind of teacher you are in the classroom. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I did subbing and I picked up a, a waitressing just for extra cash. Sure. Yeah, I I ended up getting a long-term position. And after that, when I finished that school year, I was like, I I can't go back. Like after I had that long-term sub position for the spring, Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't go back to subbing. I can't go back to teachers. Like I need to get into my own classroom. Yep. And I I talked to my mom uh, because one thing you need to know about me is I have always felt I needed my mom's blessing. (laughs) Like I just... I always have to talk to my mom about stuff. She, she's always kind of shown me how to, you know, be supportive, you know, talk about the pros and cons. But I went, I went and talked to my mom. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get a job in Illinois. It, it's super hard. And so I was like, how would you feel if I looked out of state? <laughs> she let, you know, I wouldn't, she didn't really like the idea, but she understood why. Yep. So I, I was looking online at teacher positions, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and then I was like, let's try to, let's try to find warmer places because I've, <laughs> I've, I've lived in Illinois winters long enough. Right. So I looked in Nevada and Arizona and there were two positions in Arizona that just kind of intrigued me, the location, uh, students, community. And one was in Phoenix and one was in Bullhead City. I had both principals email me interested. They asked how I would feel about coming out, seeing the school, talking with them. So, of course, I talked to mom. (laughs) And (laughs) mom said she would do the trip with me. And uh, so uh, we went out to the West and, man, it was way different from Illinois. (laughs) East Coast girl, out West via Midwest. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And so what was like just the climate or everything? It was the climate, but it was also just like, it wasn't as green. It was brown, you know, you had mountains, which were awesome to look at, but um, it was definitely just a different view. I, I was used to suburbs green grass, trees, sure, parks everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Arizona, uh, it was definitely dry, dusty rocks instead of grass, mm. mountainous, 
So I think it was just kind of weather uh, and just what you saw. Uh, you, they still had the same things, of course, that we had in Illinois. It was just different. Right. Did you see both of the schools then? I did. So I saw Phoenix first, and I didn't really like it in the aspect that I felt like it was it was like a guarded school. Oh, like okay. they had high fences with barbed wire over them and so it was, I mean, it was a super cool layout, something that's different from schools in the, the Midwest. They have buildings that lead to the outside and to get to the lunchroom cafeteria or the library, you actually just go directly, their door goes directly outdoors and then the kids walk in an outdoor corridor and then they go to the main building. So that was kind oh. of the first difference I noticed as a, as a school. Yep. The second school I went to was in Bullhead City, Arizona, which is right on the Colorado River. It's an hour and a half from Las Vegas. So like you're literally just on the other side of Nevada. And honestly, I love the principal. He He's oh. what did it for me. He was an army guy, but he was older. Uh, Ron is his name. And he just, he reminded me of my dad. He reminded me of why I like education. I really liked his perspective on education and how he ran the school. Mm. Again, the layout of the school was kind of the same as the other one, but they didn't have the tall fence barbed wire. They did have a fence, but no barbed wire. I liked the community in the aspect of there was the potential of growth and it had a mini Las Vegas right across the river, which was kind of nice. And the international airport in Las Vegas was an hour and a half away. So yeah. if I wanted friends and family to come, it, you know, it was a good location to meet up with. And so I chose Bullhead. But you didn't stay in Arizona. I did not. How long were you there? Two years. And, uh, then... and then I met your brother. <laughs> <laughs> and so... We're we're all very sorry, Jen. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we met through mutual friends, and after no, like four, four months, probably, he had told me that he had originally interviewed with an international school in Honduras, San Pedro Sula, Honduras. And I was like, well, what were you going to do there? And they had like a, a tech teaching position. Um, and an elementary position, but they had already filled both. So he had to get, he had to find another job and he found the Bullhead City job. Um, and actually he taught in Mojave, which was like a 20 minute drive outside of Bullhead City, mm. but he lived in Bullhead City. I was like, oh, well, you know, that sounds interesting. You know, I, I had never considered going abroad or anything like that. And uh, probably about a month late, like it was so short, but I'll say about a month. He had received an email from that same principal and she said, Hey, I'm going to have these positions open for the next school year. Are you interested? And they were elementary positions. And your brother thought to ask me if wow. I would want to go. And I, of course, immediately called my mother of course. And you're like, hey, remember Arizona? Yeah. Remember the deal about Arizona? How would you feel about going 
south instead of west. And she, if anything, she just wanted to know more. Like she just wanted to know where I would be, if I'd be safe, what the school, I mean, the more information my parents know, I think they, their minds are at ease. Mm-hmm. I talked with the principal. We had a little uh, web chat and then I sent my resume. At this point, are do you speak Spanish? Nope. Nope. Now, in Bullhead City, there was a very high population of Hispanic Latin students. So I had taken Spanish in high school. So I would say I would knew, I knew just basic, like, you know, basic little things of Spanish that if I needed to help my students, I probably could have helped a little bit, Hmm. but I was not speaking fluently whatsoever. No. Okay. After I sent my resume, literally like a day or two later, she emailed me offering a, a position as well. I talked with my mom, you know, even though she was kind of wary about it, she kind of gave it a blessing, if you will. And yeah, so about five, six months into my relationship with Andy, we were planning to go abroad together. That's wild. I mean, what if it wouldn't have worked out? I know. Yep. It was a lot of trust going yep. into that. Yeah. So what what did you think about Honduras? Was it a, a shock? Total culture shock. Absolutely. Now, there is a very high community of international teachers. So when we got there, they had a system in place for international teachers. They had your housing, they had transportation to and from school for you. They had opportunities set up that if you wanted to travel with your group, um, you could set up like weekend excursions to a little beach town or a resort. Um, So they did try to help the international teachers to, you know, form bonds and not feel like, you know, they had to do everything on their own. Eventually people learn the environment, learn the language, learn how to get to and from places, and they don't rely on that support anymore. But it was very nice to have definitely the first three months that you're there. What about safety? I think a lot of people hear Honduras and they think dangerous. Mm-hmm. How did you feel there? Yes, I I would still agree with that, that it it is more of a dangerous country. Again, they have barbed wire fences around apartment complexes, the shopping store, the mall, like everything had a guard with a weapon outside of it. Like a pharmacy, especially pharmacies had a, a guard outside and maybe even inside. I didn't go anywhere without Andy. Uh, you know, and the first year we were there, we relied on the public transportation and the school transportation but mm-hmm. then we ended up getting our own car and I didn't, I didn't drive anywhere without Andy. Like I would drive, but Andy would have to be with me. Sure. So there was one time uh, that I tried walking, walking, jogging back from school to our apartment, which was right down the street. I would say it was two and a half, three blocks. Okay. And I was walking on a bridge. I, all I was carrying was my water bottle that um, I covered with a sock. 
because of the condensation. Oh, and okay. I had put my little, I don't even know, like it was a cell phone. I don't know what you, it was a basic cell phone though. It wasn't like a flip phone. It wasn't a smartphone. It was just a basic phone. Like the Nokia one, two, three, eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I had slipped that in between my water bottle and my socks so that I wasn't carrying it, you know, in visual, visual sight. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was walking on the sidewalk and another guy, a guy was walking the opposite direction and he was not anywhere older than me, younger. Like he was probably about the same age as me. And he grabbed my two elbows and was just saying, telefono, telefono. And I, you know, I was playing, you know, the gringa. I was like, what? No, like I, what? I don't have that. And I just kind of had to throw my elbows up and around. And then Mm -hmm. I ran around him. I ran the rest of the way home. I was banging on the fence. Your brother had his earphones in. He could not hear anything. I didn't have my keys. (laughs) And um, eventually he, he looked out the window. He had to have heard the, the banging on the, the metal gate. And uh, he let me in. And that was probably my, my only time that I went anywhere by myself. Never again. That's really scary. So from your perspective, like he was trying to steal your phone or he needed a phone or what? Um, I I think it was more of taking, taking a phone if I had it. Um, So, and like I said, like I, I didn't feel it was visible. I mean, maybe he saw the shape in the sock. Oh, that's scary. That's terrifying. Yeah. So it was, Definitely eye-opening. It was, that first year was definitely a culture shock for me. You definitely learn a lot about other people, about yourself, what you're capable of, what you can handle, what you can't handle. And even with Andy and I, we had to, we had to learn to rely on each other. And if, you know, in such a short amount of time, that can be a lot of stress on both people. Mm -hmm. And so how long were you in Honduras? So we were there for two years. Most international schools will ask for two years because they're ba- they're paying for most international schools offer you like housing. Um, they give you a stipend for um, electricity, water, things like that. Sure. Um, and they set you up. I mean, they really do. They If you get in with the international teaching, um, most schools are really good about that with the teachers. Um, so we did our two years and we just kind of wanted a different experience. We wanted to see what else was out there in the international world, but a little bit more, a little more safe, a little more friendly, uh, if you will, with Mm -hmm. the international teachers. Sure. So we went to a fair in Atlanta for international teaching in Mexico, Central America, and South America. So we wanted to stick with Spanish because while we were in Honduras, we did tutoring in Spanish that um, the school lined up. I mean, you still paid for the tutor, but they offered it on campus after school. Oh, cool. So we would do that twice a week. And then we actually, our second year, had a tutor come to our house and we did more like living language, like household language. Oh, sure. Cooking, that kind of stuff. More home instead of like school and like um, verb tenses and sentence structure instead of like the 
academic part of it and the learning. We wanted to mm-hmm. learn more of the everyday language. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to stick with Spanish and we wanted something that was a little bit more current in the international world. So we actually got a job in Colombia, Medellin, Colombia. We went home for the summer and got some things in order with uh, packing and how we were going to get things there. And I think moving there, we each had two full bags. You got two two luggage bags up to 50 pounds, I believe, is international. Yep. And then I had a, a carry-on full and then a backpack. That was it. Yep, that was it. We'll be back after a short break. Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work, which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. While I do enjoy wearing makeup, I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun, bursting nutrient bubbles. Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash parently. Strip your makeup, not your skin. Now back to Parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins. Is it unusual or is it common that you would both get jobs at the same school? Honestly, they they love couples. You're get you're kind of getting two people, um, and it just kind of makes it easier. You have somebody to rely on and be with. And sometimes, if you're new to the international teaching, sometimes if you don't find that connection. Sometimes after they fulfill their contract, then they leave. Sometimes I think they're looking for couples because they already have somebody that they can trust and rely on and um, they might be more likely to stay. But um, there were a lot of singles that um, we met both in Honduras and Colombia. And we actually have a friend that we're still friends with from Honduras and she had stayed in Honduras Oh, my, uh, like four or five years. Wow. She she developed a lot of relationships when she was there. And she actually just went back um, a couple of years ago. She watched her kindergartners graduate high school. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. Because she, yeah, so she was a kindergarten teacher. And so she remained in touch with parents and administrators and yeah, they invited her. They wanted her to come back and be a part of that. So that was oh, pretty cool. cool to hear about that. So in 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 Colombia, you were both in the same school, right? Mm-hmm. So again, it was an international school. Um, it was called the Columbus School. 
We, uh, Andy had a second grade position and I started out in third grade uh, my first year. But then after the first year, I moved up to fifth grade. And that's where I was for the other three years. Um, so yeah, I mean, we got to like work in the same school. We would still get to see each other, but you know, different grade levels, different teammates, but it was awesome. I mean, they had a lot of advanced curriculum and technology for the teachers to use, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I learned about common core standards. That's where I learned how to use a smart board. That was where I learned about investigation math. Um, mm. they were, they did a really great job staying current on what was going on in the United States and how they could use it at the international school. Cool. Um, so you, you didn't feel like you got left behind from a, a curriculum perspective. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I think they very much made sure that the teachers knew how to adapt curriculum uh, for students and for the country, because like in the United States, we teach U.S. history, but in Colombia, those kids, even though they're learning about the United States, they need to learn about their own country too. Right. So we had to figure out how to, how to do that. Um, so mm-hmm. we, you know, as a fifth grade team, we would have to pull resources on Colombia and, important historical moments and figures for them. I think that's beneficial for the students to be able to have those different perspectives. Definitely. Let's transition a little bit from the professional to the personal. Something big happened in Columbia. Yes. So um, we got engaged and married while we were living abroad. And then we got pregnant. Uh, so we had gone to Spain uh, for one of our, I think it was winter break or something, or maybe it was summer. I can't remember. We ran, or Andy, I should say, ran with the bulls. And I think all that uh, running and energy and testosterone uh, helped things along. And la, 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 la. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, Kaylee was conceived in Spain. We found out while we were in Colombia. And I still have the video of telling your brother. And he was like, it was so cute. He was in shock, but he was happy. And so, yeah, we, I went through my pregnancy while living abroad, which was kind of hard. You know, you don't have your mom or your sisters around. And, but it was also kind of nice too, that we got to do it together. Um, Andy and I, uh, we had to find, I mean, I had already found, um, a gynecologist. Um, and then she had to refer me to a pediatrician and we had Kaylee, uh, on Easter Sunday, March 31st, 2013 and at Clinica Rosario. And my pregnancy was great but the delivery was a little traumatizing for me. Mm. Um, as well as Andy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, it was a lot. I mean, he had to, he had to do a lot of running around cause I certainly wasn't going to. Mm. Um, so my, the doctor wanted to induce me because I had gestational diabetes and Kaylee's heart rate was good, but 
it was just, it wasn't being consistent enough. Mm-hmm. So she wanted to induce me. So we check in Easter Sunday and at 8 a.m. I think it was. And they induce me. And we're going along. Things are going good. She breaks my water. And I don't even remember what time it was, but we went into the delivery room and tried to start pushing. And she was coming, but the cord was wrapped around her neck. Mm. And so they wanted to do a C-session. And I I just, I was like, please let me just try one more time. Like, I I really don't want to. And uh, so she did. She let me try again. But I later found out there was a doctor next door who came in to my delivery room. He had just delivered the same kind of situation, but they had to use the forceps Mm. and it actually hurt the baby. And they didn't, they were saying, Jen, we don't, we don't want to do this. Like we need to go and do the C-section. And so, uh, Andy was like, Jen, let's do it. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm bawling just hysterical. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. And so they bring me in and I've already had my epidural. I've, you know, I've, and, and and they're giving me more. And so I'm, I'm on the table. My arms are out to the side. I have the little cover from my neck up so I can't see anything. Andy's sitting, standing right next to me. And then there's also a nurse or someone sitting right by me, kind of talking with me in this, you know, monitoring me. And I feel the pressure and Kaylee comes out and she's not really crying yet. You know, they have to do all that stuff, I'm sure, to get everything out of her throat and get the cord unwrapped. And mm-hmm. and Andy has a picture of the doctor holding her and she's crying. You just can't hear it. Like I couldn't Aww. hear her. And I was like, Andy, is she crying? Like what's happening? He's like, they, they got to clear everything out. And eventually we heard her cry. And I was like, go, go be with her. Go away from me. Like go by her. And yeah. uh, so... She was, she was healthy. Everything was fine. They stitched me back up. Um, I had to stay two days in the hospital. Uh, and then we brought Kaylee home and we noticed that her skin color kind of was a little different. It was like a yellowy orangey tint, like her hair even kind of seemed like it. So the doctor said, why don't you bring her back? And they did some kind of blood work or whatever. And she had jaundice. Mm. Which is is fairly common. Yes. Yep. So uh, it was hard because like I didn't have a lot of time with her to start like breastfeeding and everything. Mm -hmm. And she had to go into this little UV light incubator and she had to be there for like, I don't even remember what, 16 out of the 24 hours of the day or something. And so like, if I took her out, I could only have her out for like an hour. Um, and she had these little felt gauze pad eye patches over her eyes. Yeah. And it was just so hard. Cause like, if she was starting to cry, like I couldn't just take her out of there. I had to leave her in there and try to console oh. her. And then trying to breastfeed her felt like it, there was like a time pressure. Yeah. Um, and so they had asked if we wanted to help, if, if they could help with bottle supplement. And we said, yes. And looking back, I I wish there was something else we could have said or done. And I, I just, 
I, I think it was downhill from there. Like once she got the bottle, um, I still breastfed and I still pumped, but I just, I wasn't producing enough. And mm-hmm. I think she knew it was more work for her. Yep. So I probably breastfed for like three or four months and I tried pumping and I wouldn't produce enough. And then we just merged into formula. So that was really hard. Like going, going from the C-section to the jaundice to not being able to do what I thought I was going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. That was super traumatizing for me and just mm-hmm. the mom guilt and just feeling bad for Kaylee and for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, it was a lot in a short amount of time. Yeah. I think that's, that's all really relatable for a lot of moms because it it, it doesn't matter how much you try to avoid it. You just imagine what it's going to be like yes. when your baby's born and how your baby's born. And then that, you know, what happens afterwards and you just, you have this image in your head and when it doesn't go according to plan it almost feels like you're failing right and it's tough yeah I I experienced similar similar thoughts to that yeah and like when you're and again like we were abroad so I had my friend Jenny and I had my friend Leah which Leah actually worked in Arizona with me um and then she actually came to Colombia after Honduras um because I talked so highly of it So Mm -hmm. I did have my two girlfriends there, but I didn't have my sisters or my parents. And they ended up coming two weeks after Kaylee was born, which was super nice. Um, And then my in-laws came and you came. And so it was nice that we got to have some people visit along the way. But yeah, it was was hard. It was definitely something that I, I wish would have gone a little better. We'll be back after a short break. Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work, which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. While I do enjoy wearing makeup, I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun, bursting nutrient bubbles. Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash parently. Strip your makeup, not your skin. Now back to Parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins. Fast forwarding a little bit, what was it like? I mean, once you were able to kind of adjust to your new lifestyle, what was it like raising Kaylee abroad versus someone who, if you would have raised her in the U.S., and maybe maybe there wasn't really a difference? 
I loved it. So Colombia was way more first first world country, is it? Like, sure. Yeah. Like it was a lot more yeah. um, developed. And- yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could take Kaylee for walks by myself on Sundays. They uh, closed the main street down and people would roller skate and bicycle and take walks and run. And it was like a big family day. I love and like just the pace of life was different. So I loved working in Colombia and I loved having Kaylee there. The the hospital was great. Paying for a C-section and two, well, the two days I had to stay plus the two days Kaylee had to stay for the jaundice. I mean, that was way more affordable than I'm sure what we would have paid in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And then as a, a, a teacher, we actually got three months of um, maternal leave. Oh, nice. Paid. Uh, paid yep. Wow. So, uh, so I had her March 31st and they, we finished in May. So I ended up, cause I taught fifth grade. I went back the last couple of days of school so I could do the fifth grade graduation and clean up my room. We had a, an empleada. Uh, so she, she worked for us prior to Kaylee. She would come to our house like twice a week and clean the apartment. Um, and then she, she loves, she has three kids of her own. Her name is Kata. And she actually asked if she could be Kaylee's niñera, her nanny. Mm. And we were like, yes, absolutely. Like we would love that. Kaylee had Spanish around her basically all day while we were gone. Mm. And so since I went back at the end of that school year, I actually had 20 days to use the next school year. And so I would take uh, Fridays off. So I would have a four day work week the next school year. And so I had 20 weeks where I had a shortened week so that I could have a long weekend with Kaylee. So that's awesome. Yeah. So in that aspect, I don't know if I would have been able to do that. Like in the States, like in the States, like summer counts for teachers. Mm -hmm. Like, and which is super surprising, but I loved it. I really did the, the experience and the, the people at the hospital and the school, the teachers I worked with, everybody was so awesome. They made it so easy to just be able to focus on Kaylee during that time. Do you think part of that is a cultural thing where they perhaps prioritize family over profession? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think in some some families, yes. Um, so the international school in both Honduras and Colombia the parents were, uh, you know, parents who owned businesses or worked in the government. I mean, there were some parents who were middle-class parents. They worked two jobs, you know, um, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the students were more on the wealthy side and they had nannies and they had drivers and they, you know, they had people who would take care of them because their parents were traveling for work or doing Mm -hmm. things, you know, in the government system and, I think there definitely was a sense of the children are the most important and that's what, that's what you need to focus on. Um, Mm -hmm. And as a teacher, I mean, I think so many teachers stretch themselves thin for the students. 
making sure that those students are getting what they need academically, emotionally, whether it be virtually right now or, you know, in person. Sure. Uh, yeah. Columbia, I definitely feel like the culture was a lot about family and you would see that daily. Like you made time for family and making sure that you spent time with them. You were outside, you were doing things together. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So how long were you in, in Columbia then? So we were there for four years total. After Kaylee was born, we were there for her first birthday. And then we decided that we needed to move back to the States so that she could be by family. Mm. So then, of course, we had to do the search for that. And then we ended up coming back to South Dakota. Uh, we both got jobs in the same uh, district. So that was nice. And Kaylee had to go to a daycare. So I had to find in-home daycare for her mm-hmm. because I wanted, she was so used to just having a nanny and on her own. I, I, it stressed me out, like thinking about putting her in a big daycare center. Sure. So we just, we went smaller, uh, just to kind of ease into it for her and for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we found, um, a small in-home daycare that was actually right by the school that I taught at. So it worked out perfectly. How did she adjust? She did great. She. Yeah. Everybody always says the kids do better than the parents. It's yeah. It's the. That's par- well, I mean, that's kind of why I was asking is because as parents we always stress out about this kind of stuff, but it's like kids are so adaptable. Yeah, I I'm very I'm an anxious person. I I like to have a plan. I like to know how it's gonna go, and you know when you have these kinds of things, these changes happening. It's, it just kind of leaves it up in the air. How will she react? How will she be safe? Like, how will I know that she's safe? Will you know, like mm-hmm. just all these things that you think about and. Yep. So. All of those things are the same things that mm-hmm. went through my head and still go through my head every day. <laughs> yep. yep. So how did you, okay. You, you went back to South Dakota and by the way, at this yep. point, are you still seeking your mother's blessings? Um, okay. I did talk to her when we decided to move back. I did talk to her about (laughs) there might be the potential of us not being in Illinois when we move back. Like, like we did look at Illinois. We, we looked at, um, cause your brother won't live in like suburbia town. So we were looking at more like city area, like not in downtown, but like just closer to the city. But, Mm -hmm. um, the school we were looking at only had one opening. And we mm. knew that we were not going to be able to live close to Chicago on one salary. Sure. So we had to look elsewhere and that we looked in South Dakota because he had a connection to South Dakota. And I looked in Illinois and we were looking at Florida at one point and Atlanta, but South Dakota won. And I do um, like it here. I do. Yeah. I mean, it's an eight hour drive to my parents, but it's, it's a good diverse area yet. Um, they have city, they have country, they have Spanish immersion. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and so you, and you are in, you're in the, the largest city in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. in Sioux Falls. Yeah. And you've been there f- five, five years. Okay. So, uh, six, this is our six sixth year. Yep. Would yeah. you ever consider living abroad again? Yes. So I've, I've probably brought it up to Andy more than he's probably brought it up to me or talked about it. 
Um, and it's just because when we moved back, I had reverse culture shock. So mm-hmm. like in one of your other interviews, I think it was with Mara, Mara, did I yep. say? Um, Mara, yep. Maura, she brought that. And absolutely, you have reverse culture shock. It's like, wait, I'm hearing English. I should be hearing Spanish. Like Mm -hmm. what, like you just, your brain has to like reconnect. Um, And so they, there was a Spanish immersion program already in Sioux Falls. It was like starting up, um, but it was at two different schools, but they were in the plans of making the Spanish immersion school. So I took a job that it was only one year because they were going to tear that school down to make Mm -hmm. the Spanish immersion school. And it was, it was a great way to at least learn the district when we first moved here. Kaylee's first words were Spanish. Andy and I had been in Spanish for six years. And so it definitely knowing that they had that was definitely a kind of a pull to, Mm -hmm. to be here. Sure. Have you learned anything from living abroad and or teaching that you think applies to parenting? Yes, for sure. You know, there's a program that I learned about when I moved back abroad that I feel like I try to use not only with my students, but with Kaylee, but it's harder to use with your own child. Um, It's called Boys Town. Okay. And like, if, if a child does something wrong, you don't say no, you don't yell at them. You try to talk to them about it. Like, what made you do that? What else could you have done differently? How will you handle it next time? Walking the child through their emotions, you know, identifying mm-hmm. what their, what their emotion was, how they handled it, what they could have done different and just, but it's super hard to do with your own child. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Andy, Andy is way better at it than I am. I I feel that we've brought her up knowing right from wrong, but I know that she's still learning and it's just, it's hard to be able to break it down for her when I feel like she should know, I guess that's bad to say, but like she's seven and Andy, I remember when she was five and Andy's like, you can't rationalize with a five-year-old Jen. (laughs) <laughs> and, like, and he's absolutely right. But it's just like, you want to be able to, you right. want to be able to communicate with your child and have them understand. And I definitely have pulled those kinds of things into it. And I feel like she's, she's getting to that age where now, cause she's in school now. And I, I'm hoping some of her teachers are doing those kinds of things with her. And I know the counselor at school talks to them about emotions and mm-hmm. then about, how to how to listen to their body and how to know how to feel if something's right or wrong because mm-hmm. um, she brings papers home when the counselor goes to her class and so I know she's getting that kind of kinds of things at school sure but it's it's definitely harder to do it at home it's easier to do it with students I, I don't know why that is but yeah I, I don't know do you think yeah. you have higher expectations for your own your own kid maybe yeah So Jen, we have talked about one cool factor of your your history and your past, but there's another topic that I wanted to transition to. However, I think at this point, we will say goodbye to our listeners 
And thank you so much for joining. We're going to have Jen again next week, listeners. So come back if you want to hear more about Jen and her family. Next week, we'll be talking about how she is a foster parent and what went into becoming one, how how that process works and what it's like being a foster parent for her family. So thank you for joining. Please tune in again next week for another insightful conversation with Jen. And if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next time.